Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, Scott. Hey, how are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We got another question today. All right. What, what is it today? We have a question, and it's written like this. It says, I'm 28 and only recently learning how Social Security works. My biggest questions are, overview, how does Social Security work? Uh, number two, can a person usually expect to get at least as much as they paid into Social Security back in payments? Number three, are there any general guidelines for maximizing Social Security benefits? And number four, if I have sufficient other retirement accounts, should I pull from those before starting to pull from Social Security? Ooh, lots in there. Yeah. All right. Laid out nicely, though. <laughs> like broke it down for us to, like some one ad, by it's one. It's almost like some, an advisor sent it in. Do they, we don't know who sent this in, but it feels like it's really teed up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I think it's great, too, because the, the person submitting this, 28 years old, so great, curious, wants to know how it works. Mm-hmm. But whether you're 28 or 38 or 48 or 58 or 68 even, the older you get, the more and more relevant this becomes. Absolutely. So, uh, I think it's something that applies to everyone, whether or not they're currently collecting or even soon to be collecting. Absolutely. Okay. So um, as far as how it works, right? Um, anyone who has income, wage income, um, pays into Social Security, Right. So the, there's actually a cap on it this year. What is it? 137 and change, $137,700. $137, yes. So the first $137,700 you make, you pay a portion of your taxes come out. Um, sometimes you'll see it on your your uh, W-2. It'll call, it'll call it FICA, right? Um, and that's where they're, they're removing a percentage of the funds for Social Security. They'll also take funds out for... Medicare, right? But it's 6.2% is the percentage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the employee pays and the employer also pays 6.2% up to that amount. Right. Does that make sense so far? It does. So that's how Social Security is funded. So that, that's how it's funded through the tax system. We all pay in and it's capped at a level of income. And that level of income this year is 137700 It was really designed as a safety net to protect people who couldn't afford to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really what it was designed for. Yeah. And the, the number of, I forget the exact number of people who were paying into it, but it was something like six to one of people, people paying in through wages versus people on benefit, right? Back in the day. Um, but now, obviously, we live a lot longer. So now we can actually use it as a, as a portion of our retirement as well. Yeah, that, that's the down. The, the good thing is people live longer, the challenge, and the challenge specifically with Social Security that you hear a lot about if you kind of pay attention to the legislation around this is the, how is the system going to remain solvent? There's, yeah. there's, there's a, a lot. 
in the old days, you used to retire and maybe collect benefits, and then you didn't live that much longer after that. So the right. system could support you. Right. Nowadays, you retire, and you might live 30 years on Social Security. And how are you supposed to be able to um, – how is the government supposed to be able to continue generating that income for an increasingly large number of people? Yes, so, and we won't solve that Topic for another today. day. <laughs> Scott, Scott will host his own podcast on how to solve that problem um remove the caps remove, remove the caps. caps it's funded a lot longer probably might uh, Auto- might automatic answer <laughs> uh okay let's why don't we talk briefly about walk us through like generally how it works so obviously that we just kind of explained how people are paying in yes but when do i get to start collecting my benefits yeah so you you know how it's funded now through that the tax which is 6.2 percent of your income up to a cap um but to become eligible for social security Number one, you can't start collecting until at least age 62. Okay. So generally, if, if you're listening to this, between age 62 and age 70 is when you become eligible to collect Social Security. Mm-hmm. Now, to actually be eligible at that point, you have to earn what are called 40 credits or 40 quarters. So once you earn 40 credits, you become eligible to collect Social Security. Mm-hmm. And to earn a credit, it's pretty simple. One credit is $1,360. You can earn up to four credits in a year. Okay. So if you earn $5,440 in one year, you just earn four credits. Do that for 10 years, and you're now eligible for Social Security at age 62. Got it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't take a ton of income, but you do have to be showing some income to be eligible for benefits. And the reason for that is these benefits are based upon people earning income. So yeah. you pay into the system based upon your income. So if you don't have that income, you're just not eligible for benefits. Makes sense. But anyways, once you earn those credits, you are eligible to collect benefits as soon as age 62. Mm-hmm. Now, from 62 to 70, every single year that you wait, or even every single month that you wait, the benefit that you're eligible for begins increasing. Mm-hmm. The way that benefit is calculated is there's a Social Security has a formula, and it essentially looks at your 35 highest years of earnings – and it says, what's the inflation-adjusted average income that you had in your mm-hmm. 35 highest years of earnings? That number is what's going to determine what's called your primary insurance amount, which is the benefit you're eligible for at full retirement age, which if you're listening to this, is most likely somewhere between age 66 and 67. Yep. So there's two kind of short uh, little acronyms. So PIA, primary insurance amount, that's kind of what you're, you're eligible for. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, FRA or full retirement age. And that's the year in which you are considered fully, you get your full benefit. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So the more income you have and the more years of income that you have, the higher that uh, full retirement age amount is going to be. Yeah, so so just understand. So I can start getting it as soon as 62 or I could wait all the way until age 70. But my full retirement age, for people our age, um, I think it's 19. 1956 and after I can't remember off the top of my head because I'm not looking at the exact screen, but it's uh, at age 67 is full retirement age. Right. And it used to be younger, but it's slowly been going up. It's one of the ways they've been able to help fund Social Security. Right. Was delaying the benefit or the delaying full retirement age. So now, um, if if what's the difference between that between 62 and 70? Is there is there a reason I wait? There's a there's a reason you wait. Yeah. The the earlier you collect. Great. You have a head start on benefits. You're collecting benefits for longer, but you're taking a reduction of benefits. Mm, yeah. You're taking a reduction to do so. So basically, my full retirement age is when I get my what's considered my, my standard benefit. Mm-hmm. And if I 
decide to take it out earlier, starting at age 62 or anywhere in between, there's some, there's a gradual scale where I get to make slightly, I may, I'm taking slightly less out because I'm choosing to take it earlier. Right. And then if I wait until age 70, I actually have to take more. Right. Because I'm waiting mm-hmm. and I'm delaying it. So they'll give me more per year. Right. Right. Which just becomes a, a very important planning point to the timing of when you collect. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can start at 62, but a lot of times it doesn't necessarily make sense to do that. Mm-hmm. The longer you wait, the more your benefit is, the more income you have to live on for, for the rest of your life. So um, does that make sense? Yeah. Awesome. So the next next question, the next part of this question kind of continues this. The next part says, what are, or are, are there any general guidelines for maximizing social security benefits? Mm-hmm. There are. Uh, pretty straightforward. So the first one is make sure that you have 35 years of earnings. As we mentioned, the way that your benefit is calculated is Social Security looks at every single one of your earnings years. So every year that you earned income, and they adjust this for inflation because, of course, 30 years ago, you were probably earning less than you are today. Mm-hmm. But they look at that and they say, what are the 35 highest years of earnings that Scott has? If they're looking at your benefit. Yeah. They then take all those numbers and they average that. Now, if you only work 25 years, Scott, they're going to say they're just going to show zeros for the other 10 years because mm-hmm. they're looking at 35 each time. Really brings so down the your first average. thing, it brings down the average, right? So the first thing you can do to maximize your benefits is to make sure that you have 35 years of earnings. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, that does. Uh, next thing is earn more. Sure. <laughs> As we mentioned, the cap is $137,700. So you are paying 6.2% of every dollar you earn as an employee mm-hmm. into the social security system up to $137,700. Right. What that means is every dollar you earn from 0 to 137700 it's increasing how much you're going to be eligible for when you retire. Mm-hmm. Now, one, one side note to this is the, the first dollars that you earn, so dollar one, two, three, four, et cetera, it has a much higher weighting in terms of how the, the benefit is calculated or how the formula works mm-hmm. when deciding your benefit. So someone that earns $120,000 versus someone who earns $60,000 for their entire life, it's not going to be double the Social Security benefit, if that right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing you can do is, is earn up to $137,700 for the year. That's for 2020. Every year it goes up. Or it tends to go up. Yep, by um, inflation. But CPI. that's that's kind of that's the number that it's at today. Mm-hmm. The next thing you can do is wait longer to collect. Yep, which we were kind of just getting at before. If you could start at either sixty-two, but you're taking a discount to your full retirement age, or you could wait and all the way up until age seventy, mm-hmm. and you get to you get a little bit more every year. Yeah, uh, you get what are called delayed retirement credits, and if your full retirement age is sixty-seven, then every single year that you wait, your benefit actually goes up by eight percent per year. Yeah. So I think that's huge. Um, so long as you can, you can afford to do that. Um, yeah. Because we obviously as advisors, we cannot give people, um, you, there's, there's really no guarantee in the markets or, you know, what, what you can do. We have, we have guidelines that we live by, but here's an instance where every year that you delay, you get an eight, an extra 8%. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, what, what is that, 24% over three years? Mm-hmm. So if your benefit was going to be $1,000, just to use easy math, at 67, it's going to be $1,240 if you wait until 70. Right. Now, yes, you gave up three years of collecting it, so that's part of the 
kind of the equation that you look at when deciding when to collect. But that's a, that's a pretty substantial difference um, between age 67 and 70. Very. And if you start to look at it through the lens of Social Security was designed as a safety net, not designed as like you're supposed to just be okay now, mm-hmm. um, that really builds in a longevity kicker into this. If you right. can just wait it out, you now get more income for the rest of your life. Right. And that income is also gets a... Uh, an adjustment for inflation. Not right, exactly. Inflation, right. it's a different, it's called a, a COLA cost of living adjustment, but it, but it still is helpful. It's better yeah. to have start with a larger base right. um, if, you can, if you can swing it. Right. Uh, next thing you can do is you can live a long time. Yeah. yeah that's uh, for as much as you can control that. If you, let's assume you have a high income. Let's assume you have 35 years of earnings. Let's assume you wait until 70. You've done all the right things to, to maximize your benefit, and you retire at 70, but then you, you die at 71, you're not really going to maximize the, the longevity of the benefit. Again, to there your you point, it's, there you go. don't view, view it almost as a, almost like insurance, which is really what it is. It's that safety net. It, it was designed as an insurance program. So, so pro tip there, have a really strong social network. The number one, it was, I was reading an article about this recently that what had to do more with anything than like cholesterol or all these things going back in time for how long people lived was their connections that they have with people. Yeah. So, well, that's why we hang go, out. Go be these friends. Mondays. That's right. We're going to live forever. Network. We're good. <laughs> we don't even have listeners, but we get to talk and <laughs> yeah. have fun. <laughs> the listeners slowly keep going up. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So obviously you can't control it, but the longer you live, the more you technically are maximizing your benefit because this is a lifetime benefit. Right. If you live till 75, your benefit lasts till 75. If you live till 105, that same benefit lasts till 105. Yeah. And what do those benefits look like? Um, like just a ballpark estimate, like right now, what are the 20, like based mm-hmm. on numbers as they stand? So if you, if you have the maximum benefit in 2020, the most that you can collect at age 62, assuming mm-hmm. you've done all these things right, the most you can collect at 62 is $2,265. Okay. The most you can collect at full retirement age, which for people, it was going to be somewhere between 66 to 67, is $3,011. Mm-hmm. And the most you can collect at age 70 is $3,790. All right. So you can see that there's a, that's a huge difference between 62 and 70. Yeah. $2,200 per month versus $3,800 per month. Huge difference. Huge. Yep. Waiting eight years. Waiting eight years. So that, I mean, it, it, it again, it shows now everyone's strategy is different, but that is, that can be a huge part of a, a, a solid financial plan is to maximize the benefit as a starting point for your retirement income. Absolutely. Well, and on top of that, like if you're working from 62 to 70 and you're able to support yourself and you're able to save in addition to this, then you're probably making your life even better. You are. And if you're working past 62, just as a side note, if you're working at 62 Mm -hmm. and you start collecting social security, Mm. you're limited in terms of how much income you can earn. It's like $15,000 or something. I forget the exact number. But once you earn above that amount, social security is going to start withholding $1 for every $2 of income you show above Mm. that. So it doesn't even make sense to collect early if you're still working because you're locking in a lower benefit and that benefit's going to start to be withheld. Right. So might as well defer it at least until you're done working um, just so that you're not you're not having anything withheld. Or go to age 70 and then keep working. Or do that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If you keep if if you're at full retirement age or beyond, so mm-hmm. if you're at 66 or 67 or beyond, at that point you can still work and earn as much as you want. Um and collect Social Security, and it won't be impacted. Yep, yep. 
All right. Um, next part of this question. Mm-hmm. Can a person expect to get at least as much as they paid into Social Security? So kind of can, can you expect to break even, I think is what this is getting at. Answer, yes. Yes. <laughs> Pre- pretty easy to do. Um, yeah. Assuming you live long enough, mm-hmm. of course, as we just mentioned, yeah, if absolutely. you retire and pass away a year later, you're probably not going to. Right. And when we just gave the benefit of maximizing Social Security, we gave it under the, pre- under the context that you're going tr- to live a, uh, probably like a standard amount of, of life or longer, right. all these things, right? There can be instances where it makes sense to take it right. sooner. And it's, it's always dependent upon the specific needs. Yeah. If you don't have longevity in your family, if you, have, if you don't have great health history, mm-hmm. the break-even point, if you kind of look at a simple break-even analysis, is generally somewhere around 80, 81 years old. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to live that long, then sometimes it does make sense to collect earlier mm-hmm. because, yes, it's a lower benefit, but you have more months of collecting that benefit. Yep. So um, why don't we walk through some like rough numbers? You, you put together some rough numbers for like breaking even on Social Security. I think it, it might be helpful. Yeah, let's, I, let's use an example. This was from a very basic online calculator, but I said, what if someone earned $100,000 per year for 35 years? Mm-hmm. So I chose 35 because that's how many years social security looks at when they're looking at the formula that says how much income you're going to earn right so if you do that what that means and again you pay 6.2 percent into social security Mm -hmm. on your taxes so if you earn a hundred thousand that means you're paying six thousand two hundred dollars per year in social security taxes yep if you do that for 35 years assuming no raises or anything just simple calculation you've paid in two hundred and seventeen thousand dollars into social security Mm mm-hmm now, what that would get you is about $2,800 per month in benefits at age 67, okay. full retirement age. Mm-hmm. So that comes out to $33,600 per year. Mm-hmm. So then what we look at is how many years do you need to collect that benefit before you've recouped or recollected everything that you paid in? And the answer is about six and a half years. Yep. So I mean, for a system that you have to pay into with a safety net, not bad. No, it's not bad. So it's it's you're probably going to break even if you live more than a few years after beginning to collect Social Security. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, don't don't expect an incredible rate of return from this. No, this is oh six and a half years. That's everything after that's profit. Well, kind of. This doesn't take into account the time value of money. These first right. dollars you put in were put in over forty years ago. At this point, if you invested one dollar forty years ago and you get back one dollar today. Yes, you broke even, but you're not you're not jumping up and down with the rate of return you got. Yeah, inflation. So you yeah. look at different. There, there's no way to calculate what your actual rate of return is, um, in a general level, just because everyone lives different lengths of time. Everyone has different incomes. Those incomes are factored in differently into Social Security. You look at some articles that say, oh, you can expect to earn two percent or three percent or four percent, kind of rate of return equivalent with mm-hmm. Social Security. But the reality is, it's it's impossible to calculate on a general basis. Um, yep. But don't. Th- th- that's why you invest elsewhere to get mm-hmm. higher rates of return. Absolutely. Again, this is your so- safety net. I think, Scott, you had a good point before we went on just about what you can expect to recoup. Would you say two to three times what mm-hmm. you paid in? Is that right? I think that's what it's typic- people typically get back, which if you break it out here, that would be like living about, what, 13 years past your full retirement age, which is about right, right? Yeah. So, or even so yeah, two to three, 20 or, years. or further, right? Yeah. So, so two to three times seems to seems to be appropriate. Yeah. So if you have a normal life expectancy, you can expect to get three times back what you paid into Social Security in the form of benefits. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Awesome. Um, any other 
points on that. I think that about covers it, right? I think that covers that. I guess the, the other fun, the thing they ended with was if I have sufficient other, if I have other retirement accounts, should I pull from those before I start pulling from social security? Yeah. Right. And I think we kind of already made this point um, that there's a, there can be a nice benefit to waiting to max out your social security. Mm-hmm. So the answer to me in my, in my mind is oftentimes, yes, it's mm-hmm. always dependent upon the exact client situation, but it can typically make sense to delay social security. It can. Yeah. And I th- it, one thing, um, reading the question, if I have sufficient other retirement accounts, should I pull from those before starting to pull from social security? You're exactly right. I just want to make sure this, this listener knows that you don't pull from social security in the sense that you pull from a bank account or a 401k oh, or IRA. So smart it's, of you. It's yes. uh it's like a pension. So yes, you pull it, but it's not, you can't control the monthly amount. It's yeah, the same. There's, there's never an there's never an asset on your balance sheet that says like social security account right. Right. that you can pull from. You're you're turning on a cash flow stream. Right. But it is a good question in the sense and you already answered this, if you can leverage other liquid accounts you do have, mm-hmm. savings accounts, investment accounts, in order to allow social security to continue to grow as you wait to collect it, that can make a ton of sense for a lot of people. Absolutely. And there's, there's more nuance in it than we can get into today, but there's this, there's, there's a whole, uh, with taxes for, with social security, when you turn it on social security, there's the percentage of social security that gets taxed depending upon what your income tax rates look like and how much other income you have, which can actually make your tax rates go a lot higher than they actually seem Mm -hmm. because you can either get taxed at 50% of your social security or 85% of your social security. And there's that whole transformation. Provisional income. Mm -hmm. And then that also flows into Medicare part B and the Medicare premiums that you're paying. So there's all these varying components that matter, and all of that comes back to what withdrawal strategy you create for yourself in retirement. Right. So it's really advantageous to have um, a well thought out plan for how you're gonna how you're gonna handle that. Yeah, I, I forget what the number is, but there's like 600 different combinations of how you can collect Social Security if you're if you're married, um, and so that along with the taxation of it, along with how it impacts Medicare and all that other stuff. You need to have it's. It's not a standalone decision that you're making just with Social Security. No, you've got to have a good pl- overall plan when looking at what's the best strategy for you. Yep, get a good plan in place. Yeah. Um, other notes on this? Just a few side thoughts. The first one is Social Security is not designed to fully replace your income. If you can at all help it, don't plan to retire on just Social Security. You, yeah. it's, it was never designed to be an income, a full income replacement. Right. Well, and in Southern California, it would be difficult to live on the full yeah. benefit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So so go into this knowing that, that this is going to provide something, but not um, definitely not everything. Uh, one thing that we haven't talked about, but definitely exists and, and is kind of beyond the scope of what we're talking about now is there are different strategies and different benefits just around things called spousal benefits. Mm-hmm. So when you collect Social Security, you're either eligible for your own benefit, which is the benefit you would receive based upon the number of years you worked and the amount of income you earned, or you're eligible for a spousal benefit, mm-hmm. which is half of whatever your spouse's benefit would be at their full retirement age. Yep. And then there's also survivor benefits right. for, and how that shakes out for, because you may have two people who work their whole lives, they both get their own benefit, but then when one of them passes, you look at, does it make sense to use a survivor benefit or keep your own benefit? Right. Which yeah. is important because when you collect social security, it, yes, it's your benefit, but it's still kind of a two person decision. Mm-hmm. Because if you collect early and your benefit's higher and you predecease your spouse, well, you've kind of locked in a lower benefit for your 
your surviving spouse to collect for the rest of their lives. Right. So you you have to take both of those into account. Um, if you're divorced, you can still collect a spousal benefit, assuming you're married for at least 10 years. So just because you are divorced doesn't mean you can't, you aren't eligible for a benefit based upon your ex-spouse's earnings record. Right. Uh, anything else? You'd mentioned, we just mentioned the survivor benefit, but you, you uh, had the little note here as well that we can collect as soon as age 60 on a survivor benefit. Yes. If it's a survivor benefit, instead of having to wait till 62, you can collect a little bit earlier. Um. And then if you have non-covered pension, we see this a lot with teachers or firefighters or police officers. If you have a non-covered pension, which means you have a pension uh, through your employer and you weren't paying into the social security system with your earnings or with your wages, you're going to be, you probably most likely will be subject to the windfall elimination provision. You might Mm -hmm. see the abbreviations WEP, people call it WEP, or the government pension offset. So again, we won't get into those details, but just keep in mind if you have a pension, because you're a government employee, you, you'll you see a social security benefit when you look at your statement, but that benefit will most likely be reduced based upon your pension. Absolutely. Awesome. Anything else we want to add? I think that's good for a broad overview for a 28-year-old. I was going to say, this was, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, could, we could probably geek out on this in more detail in the future. Um, especially with the taxation of it and how to, how to think it through. But, uh, but great for today. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you for listening to episode number 30 of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources and notes from today's episode, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co and find episode number 30. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you have not already done so, please leave us a review. Reviews help more people to find us, and we really enjoy hearing what you all think of the show. And finally, if you have a question that you want us to answer in a future episode, then please head over to our website, realpersonalfinance.co, and there's a section on the bottom of each page where you can submit your own question for Scott and I to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.